This week's episode of Up for Discussion is brought to you in part by 6-7 Radius. 6-7 Radius is a consulting firm that helps companies grow by building one-of-a-kind marketing strategies and sales techniques. With over a decade of experience in the B2C and B2B world, the company is now bringing you a one-of-a-kind sales course. The Sales Law of Averages will teach you step-by-step all the soft and hard negotiation skills you need to master your sales game with over five hours of training material, over 40 videos, and real-life examples from different sales industries. Pre-order your course today for only $117. Turn your leads into sales and create a 100% referral conversion rate. Pre-order your course today and master your sales strategy for less than $10 a month. Are you intrigued? Great! Go hit the affiliate link in the description of this episode and pre-order your course today. It's only $117, which is a massive markdown from the usual price, and ends up being less than $10 a month to totally master your sales strategy. It's worth it. Check it out. 6-7 Radius. This episode of the Upper Discussion Podcast is brought to you in part by Whiskey Lane. Launched in Kelowna, BC, and now expanding to Montreal, Whiskey Lane is on a mission to share their obsession with quality food and drinks with growing audiences by keeping the best local flavors on their minds and on their tongues. No matter what your business needs to grow, Whiskey Lane knows how to make it happen. Whiskey Lane, bringing long lines to the producers of specialty food and drinks. Go to whiskeylane.ca to find out more. And that's whiskey, the Canadian way, without an E. Hi, I'm Tom Zalatni, and you're listening to episode 312 of Up for Discussion, a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Every week, we tackle a different ingredient, dish, or style of cuisine, sharing our favorite recipes and learning from our wonderful guests. Today, we're talking all about pierogies. But before we dig in, I want to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where I'm recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important to remember that the lands we occupy are not our own, and to engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. So I want to encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and with the indigenous communities of that area. A thing that we hear a lot uh, in sort of social justice discourse is this idea of the white savior complex, uh, which is, I mean, it's kind of exactly what it sounds like, right? It's this complex that you know, white people get when they think like, oh, you know what I need to do is I need to be everybody's savior. I need to be such a great person to all of my friends who are people of color, who are marginalized communities, because I'm a white person, which means I can be the one who saves the day. And it's kind of like, it's not necessarily the worst thing, because it does mean that you're thinking about, you know, being a better ally, but it can kind of go from like, how can I be a better ally, which is the good question, to how can I make this all about me? (laughs) And so um, I would like to encourage you if you are at all worried about you know where your heart is at in terms of your allyship uh there is a really great instagram account called uh no more white saviors uh, and i'm going to link that in the description of this episode it's worth checking out they post a lot of stuff that i know i personally find really uh interesting and thought-provoking for me uh, as someone who you know 
does try as much as possible to be a good ally and like it it can be hard you know like even if your heart is like for the most part in the right place every once in a while you need to check yourself and you need to you know check your motivations and make sure that you're doing things for the right reasons so uh, yeah i would encourage you to check that out and follow them and you know read what they're saying and take it to heart all right Let's get onto the show. It should come as no surprise that I, a person who loves comfort food, am a very big fan of pierogies. What amounts to an Eastern European version of a dumpling, the pierogi is soft and warm and delicious and full of tasty things. Most of the time, the classic Polish pierogi, which is more the focus of today's show, is filled with potato and cheese. Super simple, super cheap, super delicious. But like any simple, delicious food, the pierogi is really limitless in its potential for awesomeness. My guest on today's episode, J.P. Karbaki, is a big fan of them too, and he phoned in to tell me all about his family's connection to this sweet dish, and his most recent culinary innovations that frankly had me drooling. (laughs) Really got me thinking about all the different things that you could put inside of a pierogi if you make them yourself at home, and uh, while I haven't at the time of this recording, I am definitely going to start playing around with that, because it also occurred to me that you can definitely make gluten-free and dairy-free pierogies. Obviously, you have to make a gluten-free dough, which is something that I've never done before, so I'll have to play around with that. But, you know, dairy-free is as simple as not putting cheese inside, so that's taken care of. Follow me on Instagram at Tonsalatni to see how that goes, because I'm sure that I will be experimenting over the next little while and seeing what I can figure out. One more thing before we get started, I'm going to be on the Left Trigger, Right Trigger podcast tomorrow morning at the time of this release, which means that if you're listening to this any later than the day it comes out, I will have already been on that show. Uh, And it is a fantastic video game podcast that I love very, very much. And uh, you should go check it out. Left Trigger, Right Trigger. We are uh, talking about cows on that episode. So look for the cow episode. Uh, If you're not subscribed to them already, do it. Make sure that you get new episodes in your feed right away. And yeah, my cow video game is actually a game that I kind of directly credit with how much I love cooking now, uh, which may be a spoiler to you because I think there's only like four video games in the world about cooking. (laughs) So maybe you'll be able to figure out already, but uh, it is a wonderful episode and uh, I think you'll really, really enjoy it. So again, that's Left Trigger, Right Trigger. Go check it out. If you're listening to this the day it comes out, subscribe so you get that episode tomorrow morning. If you're listening to this any later than the day it comes out, just go find the episode because it will already be out and it will be good for your ears. All right, let's get into it. Here's my conversation with JP about pierogies. I hope you enjoyed this episode even half as much as I did. All right, my guest on today's episode of Up for Discussion is JP Karaki. JP is the editor at Time Out Montreal. He's also the curator for the Time Out Market at the Eaton Center in downtown Montreal, and he's got over a decade in food writing, appreciating, and eating. JP, thank you so much for joining me again. You were here last year for the very beginning of Munch Madness, which uh, is just around the corner, so that's exciting. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I just wanted to tell your listeners, were you not entertained? It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, just in case anybody wants to go back to the episodes there, what what was the outcome of Munch Madness? You know, honestly, I should have uh, looked up <laughs> by now who the winner was last year. I feel like it was basil or pasta. It might have been pasta. <laughs> basil? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like, look, we weren't claiming to be like, you know, brilliant, uh, like high quality food media. It was garlic yeah. versus pasta in the finals last year. So I feel like... Maybe pasta won it. Are you much of a gardener, Tom? A gardener? No, my partner okay. is. So we have a have, a bit of a garden okay. on our balcony, but uh, okay, yeah. Have you, is she the type to be able to make like the basil plant get out of control? Like we end up with a good amount of basil most years. Yeah, I gotta tell you, like, so you said it was in between spaghetti and basil. 
or no, pasta and garlic. Sorry. Oh, pasta and garlic. Yeah, I think basil was okay, in the that, earlier. That's, oh, that's the okay. That's a little bit more understandable. Yeah. Okay, all right. Okay. <laughs> For, I'm not gonna have any. I have no comment on on who would win that. Who would win that whatsoever. That was a contentious round. I think the only reason I'm pretty sure pasta won, and I think the only reason for that is that I have a garlic allergy, and one of my co-hosts is a, was a picky eater. So it's uh, we'll see what happens this year. <laughs> oh no. Oh my it's, god! Uh, All right, it's going to be different All this right. year. It's going to be different. My, we, uh, my, my yeah. heart goes out to you. Okay. <laughs> it's you know, it's mild. It's like uh, when I eat garlic, I feel bad, but I can eat it. I just feel bad. So it's like it's a choice I have to make. You know, it's like dairy. In any in in any form, are we talking? Oh yeah, doesn't matter. Confit, no. fried, all fresh. Forms. Although um, <sighs> garlic sauce from like a Lebanese place tends to hit me hardest. But uh, mm. all garlic is really uh, and garlic oil, yeah, I suppose. Okay, all yeah. right, I, it's rough. Well, <laughs> I'll be happy. I'll, uh, I'm. You are more than welcome to vicariously live through me as I love garlic so yeah. much. That's it. You can you can eat the garlic that that tries to kill me. Maybe I'm just a vampire. I don't know. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> the dark truth comes out this week. Um, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, JP, um, I always give my guest a chance at the beginning of the episode. Not even just a chance, but I really encourage my guests to kind of contextualize themselves in the world within food to give my listeners and me kind of more of a sense of who we're talking to. Um, so I'd love to know a little bit about the way that you grew up and the food you ate as a kid and uh, the food that you eat now and maybe like something food-y that you like love in your life, you know? I mean, obviously, you're someone who works in food media, so food is important to you. But I, I want to know, like, let's get to like the the heart of it. Let's get to inside JP. Oh, oh that's let me so inside sp- of you. <laughs> oh man, this oh, is what man. happens the second time you come on this show. Oh no, um, no, that's perfectly fine. I, you know, to be honest, it's um, yeah. Sometimes people have a story about themselves. Uh, there's a story that they tell themselves. It's a story about how they were brought up, and then I, when I think back to it, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not envious of people who, who have that, you know, whether they had like grandparents that they, that they basically um, stuck to like glue in the kitchen all the time, or you have the kind of family culture where you spend a lot of time in the kitchen. So I didn't have any of that. It's kind of amazing that I even do what I do without such a strong buildings Roman kind of thing around food. All I knew, all I know is that I love eating. That's it. And I think that's what it really, and I think that's what it really comes down to. Sure. Um, and I got into food writing because uh, that was back when restaurant restaurant criticism might have actually still mattered. I, I'm not even sure if we're going to come out of this, come out of the pandemic, thinking that it, that that matters, let alone any other criticism. Sure. Except for video games, everybody loves video games these days. No. So when I was growing up, um, when I was growing up, so I have a, I I, I come from a French. Canadian uh, mother and a son of Polish immigrant father, and so there's a little bit of a mix going on there. I, my my mother was always the type to want to eat, you know, um, traditional things like tartare uh, during Christmas time or something like that. What else? Yeah, baking bush Noel. Yeah, no, I've never met like many Quebec families that that fulfill the whole gamut, you know, of, right. of like all Quebec foods. It's like this is a Quebecois household. We are for going to begin our meal with um with having like putsin for uh no, putsin, no, you wouldn't have putsin. Uh we're going to begin our meal by having 
uh, cheeses from the province, sure. followed a cheese course from the province, followed by a tartare, and then we're going to have pudding chamara for dessert. It's like, no, you don't want to, no. One, <laughs> one poor person dish is enough. You know, I don't want to have more than that. Sure. So. Well, it's very filling, you know. That's basically the, the point of it, though. Yeah. I mean, a lot of this stuff is also coming from, they all have rich histories in, in their own right, but a lot of these foods started from um, being poor. And, you know, my, my, my parents were, um, I think they were, you know, always always in like the, the direct middle of the middle class, but we didn't um, eat particularly like fancy sure. all the time. You know, takeout was always great. But um, so that was my mom's side. And then my dad's side was uh, a little bit more on the, you know, I think that he just figured out how to make stir fry one time in his life. <laughs> He's like, oh, my God, this doesn't cost anything to make. And I got seriously sick of stir fry for a very long time in my life because it was just, we ate stir fry all the time. Sure. So one thing I did want to touch on is that my for my dad's grandparents, my grandmother on my dad's side, she died when I was very young. So I never actually got to meet her. And but there were always these like little reminders of the fact that we had these Polish roots. Like I had a great aunt who would make us like dumpling soup and, you know, uh, loved making borscht. And I didn't understand what this red stuff was. But it tasted <laughs> delicious. Sure. Yeah. My mom learned from her uh, how to make pierogies. And that was like always uh, an excellent thing to have. I, I, I just loved them, loved making them. So that was definitely like a, a real kitchen thing. And I think in some way it was like that, that one dish is like something for me to kind of like reconnect with somebody that I never knew. Sure. It's a very, uh, and it's a very curious relationship to have to a food. But yeah, that's kind of been a slight obsession during the, during the pandemic is that you're trapped inside and you're like, well, I have time to make a, a time consuming dish. Yeah. So. Let's make let's make Polish dumplings. Amazing, yeah, I love it. It's funny that you um, you bring up the like, you know, growing up middle class, not necessarily eating anything fancy, lots of you know takeout and lots of stir fries and lots of the sort of quote unquote poverty food. I feel like I kind of had a similar situation, and I definitely know the feeling of getting burnt out on stir fry. It's uh, <laughs> I've had to in my <laughs> adult life come back to a place of loving it. That and pasta, like pasta with red sauce, for me is something I had to learn to love as an adult because it was ruined for me as a kid because I knew it as our poverty food, and my mom would always tell us like we're eating this because we can't afford anything better this week and that like really that sucks you know <laughs> red sauce out of a can oh no no homemade but okay still. Oh, all right okay all right at least yeah. you, you had you had some pride yeah you know? yeah well that's it my mom my mom was too proud to to not make her own sauce most of the time although uh except in the case of making lasagnas where it feels like it feels like overkill to make a sauce and make a lasagna. It's like, then you get the jarred stuff because you're already making a lasagna. It's like one thing at a time, oh, you know? I don't that's know. Why you gotta, that's why you got to make it like a giant stock pot of it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you got to get into canning and all these other wonderful things that we're like, hold on, wait a second. I can, I can do that? This is all possible. Like <laughs> it's wild. Um, a lot yeah. of lost arts in the kitchen, you know, <laughs> that are coming back when people realize that, that well, it's a, it's a financially strenuous time, right? Yeah. So a lot of people are sort of, they're rediscovering a lot of uh, processes in, in, in the kitchen that they, that, uh, that they used, that they got, just got too complacent and got used to spending like 30 bucks a pop for it. You know? Yeah, totally. That's it. I, uh, I've been realizing recently, um, my partner went, uh, gluten-free and dairy-free simultaneously. And, uh, you know, obviously like 
the rest of us in the house will still eat those things. Even Tefra will still eat those things just in smaller amounts. Um, but it has really shifted the way that I cook. <laughs> and uh, the the imagine. big meal that I, you know, had forgotten I really loved and ate a lot growing up. And now I'm like, oh, that can be made gluten and dairy free and is great is uh, shepherd's pie, which like, you know, obviously mashed potatoes are great when you can get some like butter and cream in there but you can also make mashed potatoes just with a bit of the leftover water that you use to boil the potatoes and then like i will add in like cornmeal to sort of thicken it up if i leave too much water in by accident and it's totally fine and i've gotten really good at making shepherd's pie over the past few weeks and uh (laughs) it costs like you know five bucks for like a pound of ground beef and then everything else is potatoes and frozen vegetables and it's like okay cool this is this is easy and cheap and I can fill us up with it. So, yeah. So following on your, following on your puts in episode, sure. I'm thinking like, this is that pate chinois is like one thing. Shepherd's pie pate chinois in, in Quebec, right. you know, is one of those, I'm, I'm waiting for Quebec chefs to be like, I made a fancy pate chinois. Oh God. Check it's... out, check out my shepherd. And I'm sure it's already been done. It's gotta happen. Well, the tourtine took off, right? What's the tourtine? Do you not know about the tourtine? Tourtine uh, is uh, a creation from a place called Baron BBQ out in uh, Saint Ambroise, Quebec. Uh, it's um, I think about five hours north up the river from sure. Montreal. It is the combination of tartiere, which is meat pie, and putsin. They make a putsin inside of the tartiere and oh. then they bake that. And um, yeah, I mean, like, why the hell not? Tartiere is just like a bit of a it's it's just a it's 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 a cousin of the of the shepherd's pie. Sure. It's a meat filled dish of just like spiced ground beef, right? Typically. Yeah. No, this is beautiful. But, I'm into this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, Baron BBQ does not deliver. They do not ship the tupsins anywhere else. You have right. to drive five hours up there to go get it. Um, but I'm guessing for. Uh, for your, it's not going to quite work for your bow because there are going to be cheese curds in there. But. Yeah, well, and you know, do you, do you mind if I ask? Is this is this more of a dietary? Is this a dietary restriction, or is this to lose weight, or uh, is this? It's a it's a medical thing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, w- I was just going to sympathize. I was I wanted to sympathize because uh, recently my my fiance and I. Um, are dieting throughout the week, okay. and Saturday is kind of like our purge. Right. Um, when I when you say purge with food, you usually consider the food going out of you, but right. the food is definitely going into us during the purge. Sure. Uh, oh, it's week. it's a purge in the sense of like the movie The Purge, where you can do just... whatever you want. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and I uh, just I think I've gotten quite tired of the term term cheat day, so sure. I just. Uh, um, but yeah, it is a cheat day, and that's we spend all week planning what we want, and right. then we finally get to have it. But the restrictions include um, no trying to avoid starches and carbs right. and, and dairy as well as much as you can. So oh, it's always it, hard. It's always hard to like change things about your diet, like not even just for you know the craving side of it, but for the sort of um, the logistical side of it, right? Like where you, you've gotten so used to eating certain things, cooking certain things, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh crap, I need to come up with a whole new like book of recipes that I can cook because <laughs> everything that I make is either gluten or dairy. Oh man. Uh, yeah, I know the, I, I do know the feeling. I think it's like uh, telling yourself that uh, you can't have grains, for example. Mm-hmm. You just closed yourself off to so much. You technically cannot have corn you know sure. uh 
but rice would not be an option as well. Right. So some people tend to replace that with cauliflower rice, but your brain knows it doesn't have, it just doesn't have any elasticity to it. There's no starch to it. There's no chewiness to it. Right. So you end up feel you just end up eating just a giant pile of vegetables. Yeah. Which is know? like, you know, if you want a giant pile of vegetables, that's great. But if you're trying to convince yourself it's something else, it's, it's disappointing. You, yo, <laughs> good, good luck. Good luck. <laughs> If you're enjoying the show so far, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening on so that you never miss a new episode. While you're at it, consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a friend. For every new rating and review I get during the month of February, I'll be donating $2 to Raven Trust, an organization that does great work connecting Indigenous people with legal resources that can make a huge difference in the fight for reconciliation. I also wanted to let you know that for the next week, we are very close to March, so just for the next week, you can participate in a survey to help choose this year's 16 competitors for our Munch Madness bracket. By hitting the survey link below, you can nominate up to five of your favorite foods for consideration. Every nomination counts as one vote, and you could nominate the same food multiple times if you wanted to. So go do it. Hit the survey link in the description and do that. We're going to announce the 16 competitors next episode, and then we'll be pitting them against each other over the course of several weeks to determine the best food of 2021. Don't miss it. All right, that's enough for me. Let's get back to my conversation with JP. So I want to come back to, you know, we're, we've been talking about peasant food, we've been talking about things that are, you know, a lot of meat and potatoes. And uh, you mentioned taking some time to learn pierogies. Um, mm-hmm. I don't have Polish in my family, specifically, my, um, my grandparents are both from Austria, Hungary, sort of Germany. Hey, close enough. Yeah. And like, you know, a lot of the food in that kind of chunk of Europe does kind of like move around each other a lot. Uh, so pierogies were definitely a thing that I ate growing up as well. Um, but okay. the kind of like wildest pierogi experience I ever had was actually visiting my grandpa in the small town he lives in in BC. And uh, <laughs> we were on our way somewhere and I had been watching, oh God, I don't even remember what, because this was, you know, almost a decade ago probably but I'd been watching something on TV and they were going around and looking at food trucks and I was like oh food trucks are incredible honestly it was probably diners drive-ins and dives guy had probably just gone to a food truck that week and I was like oh food trucks are great I wish we had those in Montreal and what do we know while we're driving along I see a food truck out the window I'm like grandpa stop we have to go to a food truck (laughs) this is like on my bucket list I don't even care if it's good and uh it was a pierogi truck okay it was not good (laughs) But it oh, was no. awesome because it was a food truck. And it, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, I didn't get food poisoning or anything. It, just my mom's pierogies were better. And uh, <laughs> it like that has stayed with me as this like amazing moment of like anything can be a food truck food. And pierogies in that moment cemented themselves for me as kind of a like an amazingly underappreciated thing, if that makes sense. Like, I think we don't we don't talk enough about how rad pierogies are and how like versatile they are and how they're kind of a wonderful snack. And like, uh, I just, I love them. So, so tell me about your relationship with pierogies. Dumplings in general, Tom, to, sure. be, to be honest. I mean, like dumplings just don't get talked about, talked about enough. However, those, the, the, the humble pierogi, which usually gets stuffed with no more than like potato and cheese mm. and salt and pepper, mashed potato and cheese and salt and pepper. Maybe bacon if you're lucky. Whoa, man! Hey, <laughs> we're not. We don't. We can't afford that kind of stuff around <laughs> here. Um, no, yeah, for sure. You can put bacon in there, which is uh, that. That's an, that's that's an interesting one. But the also, also um, 
like ground meat as well. You can put ground meat into pierogies as well. Uh, I've when I went shopping once, I saw them frozen, and it was like strawberry or blueberry pierogies. <laughs> right? Like, no, I'm not. I'm not. Do, I'm not doing that. That's <laughs> that's just not gonna. That's just not gonna happen. This will never become a dessert thing. For sure. Me. But um, yeah, I have a lot of fond memories of making pierogies with uh, with my mom. Uh, I still. I just looked at it. I still have on my Instagram a photo from 2017 where I took a photo of the recipe card where my mom copied down my grandmother's recipe. Very straightforward. Do you want to hear it? Sure. Okay. To make your dough, you're going to need three cups flour, one teaspoon of salt, one beaten egg, and one cup of warm water. As for the filling, potato, cheese, salt, and pepper. So that's not going to be too difficult. But sure. essentially, when you whip up all the flour, the salt, the egg, and the, and the warm water, uh, you should form it into a nice dough. And I would recommend that you put it into a bowl and you proof it. So you just cover it with a warm tea towel uh, that you cover, that you like soaked in warm water. And then um, let it sit at room temperature for like an hour at least. And uh, you'll get a nice, a little bit more of an elastic dough kind of thing to work with. So, sure. yeah. So that's that's on the recipe card. For some reason, if anyone bothers to check this, my Instagram page, you'll. It's it's kind of fascinating how bad my photo of this recipe <laughs> card is because sure. it is a it is a still object on another still object, a table. Um, and for some reason, I took a kind of blurry photo. It looks like that. It looks like that weird meme effect that people kept doing to Krusty Krusty Krab from SpongeBob SquarePants, <laughs> right. where it just like blurs around his face, kind of thing. Amazing. Man, I don't know what is going on here. Um, yeah. And any anyway, um, those that's the building block. That's the dough. Sure. That's that's the dough, and from there you can take it in any direction you want. And yeah, so I have fun memories of putting it together with my my mom, and now and then um, there's sometimes little little clues like that. So I spend the a, a good portion of my childhood in a small town called Kenora which is in North Ontario mm-hmm. and it's the it's the town it ended up becoming a city while we were living there the, the population broke 20,000 go Kenora you know <laughs> but it's like that it's the city you have to pass through before you get into Winnipeg right and i'm not sure if you know Tom but that um on in the prairies, Manitoba, heading out towards Manitoba especially, but out towards like uh, Saskatchewan as well. There are prominent Slavic uh, immigration communities. Sure, yeah. So um, if you look at say um, old commercials for uh, for like the city of Winnipeg, for example, like local access television in in Winnipeg, um, you'll see like pierogi makers. <laughs> advertised to you right uh being like it's so easy to make a pro just lay your dough on this like on this like cut semi-complicated cutout machine and put your filling inside of the pockets and then run more dough on top of that and they'll like like clench all the and it'll i I, the machinery just makes 12 pierogies pop out of it it's just two plastic pieces that come together and i was thinking like wow this is great I had no idea, but it sort of helped me understand like why the hell did did how how did my grandparents end up out, out here right. of all places? So yeah, and then and then since then I've just kind of been like I've been experimenting at home. I've been experimenting at home during the pandemic with like trying to screw around with the dough recipe that I mentioned, uh, trying a little bit less flour and seeing how that might affect it, and uh, now experimenting a little bit more with pierogies. Do you, do you, do you want to hear about the latest and 
most favorite creation I have so far? You, you know I do. I would love to know, uh, especially... I, yeah. Especially, I don't know if this is already going to be answered in the question, so I'm going to put it out there as well. I'd love to know what your like most recent revelation in terms of like filling would be. Yes, and yeah, we, that is exactly what we're going Perfect. to talk about because I ended up finding out at our at um, our grocery stores here in Montreal that um, they've been selling utility ducks. Um, so for meat, there's A grade and B grade, and then there's utility. Okay. Utility is like the when the butcher botches the job like it's supposed to be fine the neck comes off the feathers come off the ducks say kind of thing but then whoops uh cuts off a leg sure you know yeah so you as a as the butcher you don't want to just up and like get rid of it but um it seems fancy to get duck but when you only spend like 12 dollars on a whole duck it's not so bad right um thing is is that um much to my uh <laughs> I can tell you that my fiance was not happy that I'd always get excited to buy a frozen duck. And she's like, you're going to have to take care. It's, it's kind of like a new pet. It would be like, <laughs> you have to take care of it. You have to bring it home and, and take care of it yourself. And I'm like, I promise I will. Um, and I would bring home these ducks. And then I'm like, hmm, what do I do with the? <laughs> you just end up roasting, roasting the duck. It's like, sure. it's, it's sad. It's missing a leg. It's not Instagramable because it's like missing a leg. Um, it looks a little bit Frankensteinish when I like wrap the kitchen twine around it to try and keep its leg, t- its single leg tucked in. <laughs> right. Looks pathetic, you know. However, you know, duck meat is still duck meat. I managed to get like a decent amount of duck meat off of this guy, uh, and I put it in the fridge. And I'm thinking to myself, what am I going to use this duck meat for? Um, and for, at some point, I managed to have like a cheap, crappy sausage maker kicking around in my kitchen supplies. I can't even remember where I got the things from, Tom. It was like, <laughs> I can't justify having the sausage maker, <laughs> the hand crank sausage maker somewhere in my kitchen supplies. And maybe there, this is there's a reason why, because uh, I had the idea of, oh, I will grind the duck meat. Sure. So I did ground duck. Um, we also had some sage left over from another recipe that we did. So, oh man, my mouth is watering right now just talking about this. <laughs> Because this was like the best pierogi I had had in a long time. I, I ground the duck um, with a bit of its skin mixed in so that it would make it nice and fatty. Um, and then um, and then I mixed that with uh, uh, some, some sage, some chiffonade sage, like cut very fine, and uh, added some smoked cheddar to that. And I stuffed some pierogies with that mix. Oh man, I can't even I can't even tell you how much I enjoyed that. Dude. That was so good. I was considering <laughs> a new career in pierogi making. Just uh, I was so pleased with myself. Right. If I wasn't stepping on the toes of restaurants that currently need as much help as they as as, as much help as they can get right now, I would run a pierogi business out of my home. Man, I I'm I'm telling you now, I would absolutely I mean, you don't have to open a business, but uh, next time you make those, let me know. I will happily pay you for like a batch of, of you said it's ground duck, sage, and smoked cheddar. Yeah. That sounds incredible. I would pay for that. It opened new doors and, and just so many possibilities. I was thinking like, my God, where else can I take this? Um, and it also made me kind of rediscover when it first opened in Montreal, I got super excited about it, and then I sort of like let my attention 
I, I sort of let my attention fall to the wayside a little bit since it opened, but there's a little place across the street from uh, Lionel Gru Station called Baba Yaga, okay. uh, named after the uh, the folkloric uh, witch. I think uh, mostly Russian folklore, yeah. Sure, um, yeah. I, I know it yeah, from D&D. About- <laughs> Who lives in, it's the evil witch who lives in a house that is on like bird legs and like stalks the forest right. and to catch children and eat them. There's always like those little continuities, right? When yeah. it's like eating uh, eating children. Oh, man, what's up with eating children? I don't understand. Um, in any case, um, yeah, so Baba Yaga makes, um, makes pierogies. That is one of the things that they do. They also make uh, other great, Polish uh, dishes like zhurek, which is like a rye soup with ground shredded ground pork at the bottom of your bowl. It's Ooh. it's it's great. It's very very good. They put on a pierogi that was a cheeseburger pierogi. Okay. And the listed ingredients included ketchup and and mustard. Okay. With like ground beef and cheese, and I'm thinking like, I'm not entirely sure about that. As much as I'm proud of my as. Proud of the of the poss- unlocked possibilities of the pierogi that I made. Uh, I, I'm I'm not sure if uh, I'm not sure if I'd agree with that. I really need I need to try it. I won't knock it completely until I try it. But sure, yeah. I'm not entirely sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that sounds yeah, good man. to me. I don't know. I uh, <laughs> I'm a heretic though. Like I I will happily have cheeseburger flavored anything. So <laughs> okay, okay. Well, there we go. There we go. Uh, except for. Um, Except for Domino's cheeseburger pizza, I'm sorry, I'm going it's not on the good. public record. It's not good. I'm, I'm, it's not good. It's, it's close. Good. Ketchup, ketchup and mayo should, uh, ketchup and mustard should not be on a pizza. It's uh, just not. See, I don't think those those things should be on a pizza. I disagree, but I. <laughs> no. So you need to have cheddar on there, like a sharp cheddar, uh, and you need to have strips of bacon as opposed to like the crumble. Uh, and I think that what okay. a really good bacon cheeseburger pizza needs is not during the cooking process, but after you take it out of the oven, you got to hit it with a swirl of ma- yellow mustard and slap some pickle slices on there. I think if okay. you do that, it is a perfect bacon cheeseburger pizza. Pickles on a pizza too, man. Pickles on a pizza. You're getting, you're getting daring here. I'm a or monster. Rather, how much weed are you smoking? Jeez. Okay. <laughs> none, yeah, none since the pandemic started because I'm too paranoid. <laughs> As soon as as uh, soon as I found out there was a disease going around that affects your lungs, I was like, "Well, I can't smoke weed anymore." Shit, man, no, that was the thing. <laughs> it's just like, have you seen? I know that you've put limits on how many people can be inside of an SQDC right now, right? But but you should see the lineups right now. It's 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 crazy. Out oh, there. I believe if it. There's one thing people want to do during a pandemic involving a respiratory disease. It's um, it's a uh, it's smoking marijuana. <laughs> they definitely want to do that. <laughs> I mean, you know what? I get it. So I was thinking also it's it that that's another that's another pathway I thought of. I was like maybe I should because the SQDC here while you cannot get um, gummies and like sweet things because the government doesn't want you to um have sugary things in your home that kids could eat. Right. But they will sell you THC uh, cooking oil. So right. I'm thinking of making some weed infused pierogies. Okay. Um and and doing a bit of a before and after. Sure. I just I I just I, I want to make sure that the the flavor of weed I, I I would like to think that the flavor of weed could go well with something but I haven't quite I haven't quite figured that out. Right. I'm, I'm thinking somewhere in the direction of like apple. Weed is a little bit like sage. Okay. It, it, it's it's it has a similar flavor profile to sage and right. a little bit of oregano. So you can kind of like base it off of that. After that, you could do like maybe some like 
pepperoni or um, you could do some pepperoni or you could always do bacon. Bacon always like masks everything. Sure. Easily. You know, I just like, I mean, I got tired of that one period in time where just like too many people were proudly wearing shirts that said everything tastes better with bacon on oh, it, yeah. but it's very hard to contest that. It's true. Like <laughs> bacon ice cream, bacon pierogies, definitely. But also like, I don't know, the, the bacon water. There you go. That doesn't work. You can't have bacon water. It doesn't work. Yeah, no. I uh, <laughs> I had a roommate who had um, smoke tea once. This was uh, like it was okay. it was tea that tasted like you know liquid smoke basically, but distilled enough that it didn't you know taste horrible. Because I don't know if you've ever just like tried liquid smoke on its own, but it's awful. Uh, you really need like a drop of that distilled in a lot. Sure it's- <laughs> pretty sure it says that on the bottle yeah. like do not ingest on it oh absolutely terrible but yeah she made uh she made a pot of smoke tea for everybody in the house at the time and uh it just tasted like hot ham water and i kind of feel like that's probably what bacon water would taste like too like it's not oh it's love not the arrested right. development reference though that's great <laughs> there you go yeah no that's I'm great not, i can't do it i can't do it Speaking um, of hot ham water, <laughs> I made I made another another thing of uh, that I've done during this pandemic is I tried making tonkatsu broth for the first time. How'd that go? Went out to the bu- went out to the butcher, got myself some pig trotters, left it boiling in water with this with a couple ingredients for for like twelve hours in my home, but it made the house smell awesome and it tastes amazing. amazing. Everybody should make ramen broth uh, just to just even just like drink it instead of tea. Sure. It's it's that's the best hot ham water you can have. <laughs> that yeah. is the best hot ham water. I'm gonna echo that sentiment. Get yourself a stock pot and make any kind of broth, honestly. Broth is delicious, broth is useful. Like you can put it in so many other things after. And uh it yeah, nothing makes your house smell quite as good as just a big pot of broth simmering for hours and hours on end yes tom i'm not sure how uh, long it's been since you've had to sort of adopt the no dairy and no gluten in your household but i mean did you jump on the sourdough bandwagon uh you know what we um we had been doing a lot of sourdough in our house prior to the pandemic and then when the pandemic hit there was a another period of lots of sourdough we kind of fell off it a few months ago did you give your starter to anybody if you stopped eating gluten? I well, so so I should say like Teffer cut out gluten like ninety five percent, and I did not cut out gluten at all, and the kids did not uh, cut out gluten at all. So it's more just that we uh, like try to make sure that you know meals that we eat all together are gluten and dairy free. Um, but no, I think our starter either died or is just in the fridge being sad. If if if. If that's what you have to say about your starter, it's probably dead and gone. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I suspect. That's what I mean. Like, I don't know if our, our starter died and we threw it out or if our starter has died and is just in the fridge being dead, you know? I have no idea. I guess I guess because sourdough is such a time-intensive thing to really make sourdough with, like, the proofing baskets and, and the fermentation periods mm-hmm. and of the dough after you mix it all together, that... Truly, it is a extremely time-consuming thing, so it makes sense that it became like a trendy thing to do right. since March of 2020. However, there are so many other things you could do. People did not all of a sudden get into like master stock making, right. or they didn't get into pasta making, <laughs> fresh pasta making. 
for example. At least, but at least like preserves seem to have like taken off. Yeah, uh, preserves in, in, took in, off. In, My yeah. thing was yeah. meat. My thing was that I got really into uh, <laughs> grilling specifically. <laughs> like a month into the pandemic, okay. I bought myself a charcoal grill, and I never looked back. What, did you did you start looking at like the nuances of it, grades of charcoal? Oh, of course. Uh, did you i mean not like I, not in a serious way because i don't have the budget to actually like put too much effort into that but i've definitely like i went from a year ago not really knowing how charcoal grills work to at the end of the summer grilling on an almost like not quite daily but every couple of days basis and like getting really into it and smoking things on the grill and like it's amazing yeah i i'm looking forward to this uh <laughs> to the six weeks of summer we'll get in 2021 where we're allowed to go outside at all and uh, i'm hoping we can have like a person over at a time again like we did last year i don't know if you've talked about this on podcast before uh but i mean do you have a game changer protein that you know after you cooked it properly on charcoal after you had accrued all these skills and knowledge uh where you like i'll never i can't i can't eat this any other way not to the point where i like can't eat it any other way but i think a uh I think the two big game changers for me with the grill were like steak and burgers, like homemade burgers. Cause I, interesting. I, you know, we had done plenty of steaks just on a cast iron in the kitchen and like, they're good. But I got, I accidentally bought uh, some $20 steaks this summer one day at the butcher because I was too embarrassed. Accidentally. No. Yeah. I had a, <laughs> I had like an anxiety attack in the butcher shop because oh, no. I mean a mini one, like I wasn't, you know, freaking out or anything, but I just kind of was like, uh, I can't tell this guy now that I don't want to buy the expensive thing because I feel awkward about it. And I bought it and brought it home and was like, well, we're having delicious steaks tonight. And, uh, you know, when the marbling, oh, no. the marbling in a piece of meat is so good that it like, tastes like butter after you cook it but you didn't put any oh, butter on it it's 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 pretty much i think that's the one thing when people know they've cooked a good steak that is the one thing that they always comment on right yeah exactly this was like yeah. a beautiful steak and then i did a ton of homemade burgers this summer you know what actually i i take it back the game changer meat for me on the grill is um kefta homemade kefta cool because that is something that really benefits from having that smoke flavor in it mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. and having that like you know flame grilled flavor uh and i had never done it on a grill before and i had only okay. made it a couple of times like you know on the stove and on the stove it's kind of disappointing on the grill it is life-changing honestly <laughs> get some ground lamb and yeah I, I, w- I was asking this in earnest because the other day i had gone to a new uh, omakase restaurant mm-hmm. they like to build themselves as the first omakase proper omakase restaurant in montreal okay okay kujiro in downtown montreal and uh, when i was there i was just visiting to be able to say like look i want to tell the public about this place uh and oh my gosh he pulled out a piece of charcoal that he was like this is the best charcoal you'll ever get in like <laughs> the world the you know it's just something about the country of japan it's something about um their their methods of education but when someone specializes in a product um they they just they're so intensely knowledgeable about it right. you can watch videos of a guy who makes soy sauce for a living and he will he can tell you everything about soy sauce it is amazing how many masters of of different crafts and seemingly inane objects and foodstuffs <laughs> There are in coming out of Japan, right. but for this, this, this was apparently from a specialized charcoal maker who 
could sell like a a, a, a like ten pound slab for like three grand or something. Wow! It was like it's just like the the greatest charcoal you've ever had. This is one of Trump's long lasting gifts to the world. Is about it's just like. I, I was so tempted to suddenly start talking, imitating Trump to talk about how great this charcoal was, <laughs> but it wasn't Trump brand charcoal, thankfully. Right. So, yeah, man, I'm looking at the uh, the menu for that place, and uh, woof, not cheap. Oh, oh, it's, <laughs> it's our we're we're preemptively so so tomorrow is uh tomorrow is the purge for my fiance and I, and we're sure. gonna go get a uh, we're gonna get a, uh, a bento box to celebrate nice. our fifth year anniversary. Hey, congratulations. Yes, yes, yes. That's exciting. Luckily, she well, she had all my my fiance had already told me that she, that that yes, she would marry me, but uh, you know, had she tried the pierogies I mentioned earlier, she probably and we had and I had proposed, she might have she might have proposed to me at that right. point. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what? Like I said, next batch of those that you make. <laughs> Pick me up and maybe you can get a second spouse. Oh, for sure. I'm almost <laughs> thinking of like trying to replicate it, but I just um the only last thing I wanted to mention mention about that I had mentioned before was that um uh deep frying your pierogies is Ooh. amazing. Oh yeah. It's just it's just the best. Now the thing is, is I really wanted to start digging into um flour mixes. I really wanted to get into that. I sure. really wanted to get into flour mixes. Um, I'm, I'm thinking that like if you work it out just right by a mix of like all-purpose flour with some rice flour and some tapioca flour, it always tends to make it a little bit more stretchy, gives mm-hmm. it a little more elasticity. Um, there's also stuff called mochi powder uh, flour that I've always been meaning to work with, but it's just like I'm looking for – the pierogi is almost going to become like a, a – It'll look like it had an allergic reaction <laughs> by in how much it'll inflate once fried with oil, but right. it will be chewy and crispy. Yeah, uh, and just kind of like pull apart. Oh man, I'm just uh, salivating at the at the talk of all this. And yeah, I'm just like looking so much forward to like experimenting more with it. But unfortunately, I have to go take care of my. I have to go feed my uh, my sourdough starter cotton eye day. <laughs> Did you say cotton eye dough? Yes, that's I'm very not joking good. about that. That's very good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It, ne- it needed a name. <laughs> I love that. Well, JP, we're uh, we're almost out of time. Uh, I want to thank you so much for phoning in to the show tonight, for sharing your stories about food, and for sharing your love of pierogies. This I've been doing this show as a food show now, like in a dedicated way, for like maybe six months, and I think this is the first time that a conversation has made me drool a little bit. So <laughs> you get to check that box. Um, yes. Because honestly, yes. half of the things that you described today, I was like, oh, oh, I need that. It doesn't Ooh. help that I'm recording hungry. Like, <laughs> I'm planning to go make tacos <laughs> as soon as we hang up. But like, yeah, I, uh, I'm i very into this uh, this whole pierogi <laughs> idea right now. And I think uh, sometime between when we're recording this and when this episode drops, I'm going to have to make some of my own. And maybe I will deep fry them because... Uh, that well, there's really a picture. Nice. I, I really balled out that night. I made them, so you can you can see that on uh, on my Instagram as well as the pierogi pierogi recipe. There aren't much many more pierogies than that, sadly. If you're coming to me for just pierogi <laughs> entertainment, I'm afraid I'm not your guy. Damn it! But you can, if you want to check out my Instagram page, it's uh, Johnny with an H, so it's J O H N N Y crust, uh, <laughs> all one word. Uh, we wanted to do like a Slavic night that night, so okay. it was all part of that. We also got some like pickled herring to eat out of a jar and some shots of vodka. 
but I took dollop of sour cream and added caviar to that and a sprig of dill from from like our uh, countertop garden and uh, uh yeah no that's beautiful I'm, I'm, I'm yeah fuck mcdonald's i'm loving this <laughs> hey there's nothing wrong with mcdonald's let's not let's not hate <laughs> <laughs> i can't tell you how much mcdonald's i've eaten this week this i wonder if pa- i wonder i wonder if uh if there are Mc- there's got to be mcdonald's in poland and 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 assuming that there are do they have pierogies on the menu polish mcdonald's are... menu here we go here we go let's see yeah yeah let's yeah. see offerings in polish looking... mcdonald's restaurants include the country mac a quarter pound beef patty with onions lettuce cheese mustard and horseradish okay 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 that sounds pretty good uh yeah I'm, yeah i'm not seeing a pierogi um that's unfortunately, yeah yeah well however if if anybody's feeling um if anybody uh listening to this episode does feel like they um want to attempt it but are a little bit squeamish about doing it just go look for the like probably one or two one of the like one or two slavic grocery stores you have in your city mm-hmm. uh if you're in a small town you know get it shipped out to you but like there are just people make pierogies in factories you just don't know where it's happening yeah you can buy them by the bag and it's... it'll be like $45. It'll be, sorry. Whoa. It will be $15 for about 45 or something like that. Yeah. And you won't look, and you won't look back. No. In fact, try, you, you gotta try them all. You know? Yeah. You gotta try them all. That's it. Um, two, two final thoughts for me. The first is, uh, if you are in NDG specifically here in Montreal, uh, there's a fantastic place called Wowell. Uh, it's a bakery slash little Polish grocer uh, down on the corner of Sherbrooke and Girard. They have fantastic handmade pierogies there that you should check out and also get their donuts they, while you're at it. Um, they also have great kielbasa sandwiches They as do. Well. Oh, my God. I, yeah. I need to just find an excuse to walk down there. Uh, also, Provigo rest, uh, grocery stores, rather. Provigo grocery stores have um, frozen boxed pierogies that are usually like $2 for a box. And honestly, yeah. like... They're pretty good. I would recommend frying up your own bacon and getting some sour cream to add to them after, because if you just eat them plain, it's kind of underwhelming. But they are—they're uh, really solid if you're looking for just like a pretty basic pierogi experience. If these are tough times, though, you know, yeah, if these are tough <laughs> times for you. Then definitely, definitely, just just only um, just just make them yourself. It's a classic. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a classic poverty poverty dish. You know. Yeah. Um, also, I would recommend if you get excited by um, these like grocer slash baker slash like um, butcher type. I don't even know if you can call them butcher if you just sell cured meats because it's just <laughs> like it's a it's a fridge full of sausages. Sure. But you should go to um, Vova V O V A. Okay. Um, just like at, it's it's right on the border in between uh, Point Saint Charles and Verdun. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely should go there. Um, it's I they they have what's the most the weirdest thing I've ever seen on their shelves. This is how um, on point their importation game is. They have like a like three liter jar of birch water, like ah. sweetened birch water. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. When what other whatever other context could you imagine drinking? <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine commercials. It's just like feeling low. Have some birch water. <laughs> Do you like trees, but honestly, sometimes you wish that you could just swallow them really easily? I've got good news for you, bud. 
<laughs> Is your marriage not working out the way that you thought it would? Have some birch water. Oh, man. Um, I also, while we're on, uh, before we get too far away from Polish McDonald's, uh, I'm reading here on Wikipedia, during the winter, you can get the Lumberjack sandwich, which is, get this, a bun with pork rinds on top instead of sesame, a quarter pound patty, bacon, a big piece of deep fried cheese, sauce and vegetables big piece of deep fried cheese seems like is that i'm sorry in the wikipedia article granted this is the wikipedia article but if like if they're doing like the roundup of like it's that time i i can't i'm just trying to imagine the commercial for this i can't speak i can't speak very good very good polish but i'm just thinking of something along the lines of like it's that time of year again warsaw uh (laughs) here's the burger and it has a big specifically a big piece of fried cheese on it oh i'm looking at photos of this thing it's uh it's horrifying and i want it uh, yeah no for sure i just like mcdonald's from around the world i honestly think that mcdonald's the next big step is for mcdonald's to like do like the un of mcdonald's like there should be an international international house of mcdonald's kind of somewhere i know they Uh, they very occasionally bring some of the international options to north america as like a promotion well do you remember when like japan had like a black hamburger yeah it was like an all black hamburger and it's just like yeah you know like screw with people's heads in north america with that stuff man (laughs) the best we got over here is the mcrib and we that's like notorious for making you feel like you didn't eat it yeah. So, um, <laughs> I want like the katsu chicken sandwich from 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 Japan. I want, you know what? Not even then. Even in Canada alone, it's like, why are you letting some provinces have lobster and other ones not? It's yeah. not fair. No, it's Don't really not this. fair. I mean, also, yeah. I feel that way about Canadian geography in general. Why are you letting some provinces have lobster and others not? It's not fair. <laughs> But that's a conversation for another Topical. Topical. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Uh, JP, before we wrap up the show, do you have any final words of wisdom for people who want to eat and or make pierogies uh, or any plugs for things that you want people to check out? I know you mentioned your Instagram before, which I'll make sure is linked in the description. But uh, if there's anything else, now's the chance. Tips for making pierogies. Be prepared to uh, not have fun doing it. Uh, (laughs) But it will be so worth it once you uh, have like 45 lovely pierogies just like lined up for you and you're thinking, okay, great. I made, I just made food for like, like three consecutive days uh, <laughs> and always buy extra sour cream, always buy extra sour cream. You never, or at least make sure that your nearby corner store carries sour cream because you will likely run out. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, I'm going to echo that. Have, have sour cream on standby. It's uh... <laughs> It's essential. I love the idea of putting caviar on it as well. If you uh, if you've got the budget for that, that's uh, oh my god, that's awesome. That's got to be so good. Oh man. However, I, I wouldn't recommend the, the caviar just because you know the one Slavic night that you have, and then now you got to figure out what the hell to do with the rest of your caviar. Put it on crackers. So, uh, I don't know, man. I made some blinis. <laughs> I made some blinis with caviar in it. I, I tried that. I did that. I just like. What am I going to do? I just put caviar on everything, I guess. That's it. Live live like yeah. a king for a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> or just a caviar fisherman who's just like not selling enough of his stock. Right. Yeah. I mean, actually, caviar was originally a, 
like dirt cheap <laughs> bar food, right? So, <laughs> so was lo- so was lobster. I mean, yeah. like that was that was basically the rat of the sea. You know? Now look at it. Exactly. Yeah. Get yourself some of the rat of the sea. Mix it with your sour cream. Put it on a pierogi. <laughs> JP, thank you so much for joining us this week on Up for Discussion. Thank you, and uh, thank you for giving me an idea for another pierogi, seafood pierogies. So uh, keep an eye on my Instagram for that. I will. I'm excited. You got to sell me some of those duck pierogies, too. No promises. No promises. (laughs) All right. Take care. You too. Thanks so much for listening to Up for Discussion. Do you have a favorite kind of pierogi? Tell me all about it on Twitter and Instagram at DownWithTalking or at TomZalatni. If you like this episode and want to help me make the show even better, you can head to Patreon.com slash Up for Discussion to donate. For as little as a dollar a month, you'd be joining the ranks of fine folks like Patrick, Gabriel, Kendall, and Carlea, Thomas, George, Poppy, Killian, Sarah, Angelica, Anne, Andrew, Laura, Erica, Chantal, and David. Patrons get all kinds of fantastic perks and also get to request specific topics for episodes of the show. So if you want to hear me talk about something specific... This is the way that you do that. <laughs> Patreon.com slash up for discussion. We also have merch, and you can hit the merch link in the description to get all sorts of great stuff from our lovely friends over at TeePublic. And of course, you can support the show for free by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice or by sharing the episode with a friend. Our theme music is by Zach Ingalls, and our cover art is by David Flam. You can and should find links to support both of them in the description of this episode. And last but not least, the show is produced and edited by me, Tom Zalatni, as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. Tune in next week when I talk talk to my patron Kendall and Aldridge about how she used cooking to help her reconnect with a part of herself that she felt like she had lost. See you then. If you're someone who interacts with kids, you're probably familiar with moments of being asked questions you're just not equipped to answer. Whether it's the old favorite, where do babies come from, or the nuances of discrimination, Rad Child Podcast has your back. Each episode, your host, Seth Day, leads a discussion about topics like race, disability, loss, gender, sexuality, and so much more. Our goal is to give grown-ups the tools to talk to kids about almost anything. So come give a listen. Rad Child Podcast helping to raise a generation of open, compassionate, rad kids. Available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and just about anywhere else. I'm Tefra Jemian, the producer and host of the Yeah! Podcast, a young adult lit review podcast focusing on amplifying the diverse voices in YA literature. Join us as we dig into the world of young adult books, reviewing new releases, revisiting old classics, and exploring what YA lit can teach us at any age. Discover the world of YA Lit through exclusive author interviews, book reviews, genre smackdowns, and more. The Yeah! Podcast, available through the Upward Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and wherever else you find your podcasts. This is our book club and you're invited. Yeah!